Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Longevity Muscle Podcast. I'm Kenny, your host, and joining us today is weightlifting Olympian turned professional natural bodybuilder Moji Olua. Moji competed in the 1994 Commonwealth Games and won two gold medals and one bronze and was the captain of the weightlifting team at the 1996 Summer Olympics. On the bodybuilding side, he's an IPE pro and has won over 50 natural bodybuilding titles, including the IFPA USA Championships and the 2012 IFPA Yorton Cup Pro Bodybuilding World Championships. He's been training since the 80s and is a prime example of someone who represents longevity with natural bodybuilding. Moji, thanks so much for taking the time. It's an incredible honor. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me, Kenny. Of course, of course. So I thought it would be fun just to get into the transition between your weightlifting history and, of course, your bodybuilding, because that is unique and it's epic and the listeners want to hear it because I think it's a cool story, I'm sure. Um, why don't you, yeah, start us off there and then and then we can let it flow naturally from that point. Okay, I mean, one thing about, one thing most people don't know as me being a bodybuilder now and a weightlifter, you know, back then, is that bodybuilding actually got me into weightlifting, believe it or not. And actually, the legendary documentary, Pumping Iron, you know, I probably saw that movie when I was, probably nine, maybe 10 years old. And I just wanted to build muscle. I didn't know the process. You just lifting weights, build muscle. That was my mentality then. So where I'm from, I'm originally from Nigeria. And um, there was no bodybuilding. So I didn't know the difference between bodybuilding and weightlifting. So when I finally went to the facility, I wanted to train. I said, I want to build muscle. The coach said, we don't, we don't do bodybuilding here. We do weightlifting. I said, okay, that's close enough. And didn't think I was going to take weightlifting serious but the coaches saw the talent in me and how dedicated i am in the sport so they started a program and i went through the program became the national nigerian champion went to the all african games won three silver another three silver the all african weightlifting um, championship and then the program for the olympic went on and they went to 96 olympics yeah, I didn't win any medal, but that was that was my dream. My dream was to represent my country in the Olympics. And I knew that I was going to go back to bodybuilding. But before my Olympic lifting career was over, I was, you know, as you know, body Olympic lifters are not allowed to do specific bodybuilding movements, especially bicep curls, all the aesthetic exercises. So I was sneaking it in a little bit here and there because I knew at the end of my weightlifting career, I'm going to become a bodybuilder regardless. So I was just sneaking in, you know, you could dabbing in posing, bodybuilding posing here and there. So after the 96 Olympics, I retired from weightlifting. And that's, that's when my, my bodybuilding career started. Wow. Holy smokes. <laughs> you, you were an Olympian. You were, okay, so let's do this. Talk to me. How old were you when you, first off, when you retired from o Olympic weightlifting and kind of did that transition? I was 23. 23. Okay. And yeah. were you still in, were you still in Nigeria at this point or were you in, in the, in the USA? I was already here in the US. Ah, okay. So yes. were you, yes. was all your weightlifting? So were you representing Nigeria at the Olympic games? Yes. It was Nigeria that I represented the Olympic games. Yeah. was Nigeria. Okay. Yeah. I see. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so a lot of your training, was it taking place in Nigeria, like from your teenage years or was that in the US yeah. as well? 
It was in Nigeria. I mean, I grew up there. You know, I was born there. And it's interesting. Um, we didn't have the high tech, you know, equipment and facility. And I think we wanted to just be better, regardless of what we had in front of us. I remember training with, you know, bent bars and sometimes some of the edge of the bars was slid off, would slide off as we're lifting. So some of the bumper plates, the rubbers would turn off. One way we don't even know if we're actually lifting 120 pounds or 119.5, you know, kilos. So some of the platforms were torn up. Some of the platform you drop the weight, some of the platform would just the 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 wood would just fly up and you have to get away from it. So we didn't really care what we had because we had to drive. I just wanted to get better. If you put a cement in front of me or a rock in front of me, I just wanted to lift weight, regardless of what kind of equipment it was. So I was already training. So I came to the U.S. on an, um, the Olympic scholarship, training scholarship to train for the 96 Olympics. And that's how I ended up here in the United States before the 96 Olympics. So you were you were in the U.S. training for the 96 Olympics, representing Nigeria. Yes. Wow. Yes. Okay, that's pretty yeah. cool. And yeah. what was it? Was it like a team of you guys, or like how was what was the uh, how did was that like, or was it just you? Was it like a team of Nigerians that came over to the U.S. to compete? Um, basically, it was two of us that made the Olympic standard because in Olympic weightlifting. Um, you have to make the required total Olympic standard before you can qualify to go to the Olympics. So out of all the lifters in Nigeria, it was just two lifters that made it to the 96 Olympics. And that's why both of us came to the state under the IOC scholarship to train for the Olympics. Gotcha. Okay. That's really cool, man. And Thank so you. that, yeah, absolutely. So how, how, that must, first off, that must have been an incredible experience. Right. Like, I mean, to represent your country at the Olympics, I'm sure. And in weightlifting, which is not an easy thing to do. Like you must have been yes. yeah, at an elite level with that. What walk us through, like, what was your uh, experience like? How was the placing? Do you remember some of that or? Sure. Oh, man. I mean, experiences like that never leave you because it's, just, it's like a lifetime, once in a lifetime. Some people go to the Olympics more than once. I just want to go there one time because I knew how hard. The training, I mean, you're basically giving up your life for this, for, for only, I, I think I spent for my six lifts together, probably maybe about two hours. Obviously, there's a break in between lifters, two hours. So basically, I spent my entire life, you know, from when I was 14 years old to when I was 23 to showcase myself for just two hours. So the training was was just intense. I mean, Olympic training, Olympic lifting training has completely changed today. I mean, these lifters have it really good. Back then, it was just brutal. I mean, I don't know if you have ever been around Olympic lifting facility before. It's just the training is just brutal. I mean, it's more mental for me than the physical. The physical side, your body will be broken physically, but if your mind is not really in tune into what your dreams and your goals are, you will give up. And coming from where I come from, you know, like I said, we don't have the proper facilities, we don't have the proper medicals, the proper nutrition. And so you just have to go with your heart. You have to go with your, whatever you have from within, you have to pull it out every training session. So I think I was just, I had a dream. The dream, the dream was so, so big. 
it was so big in my mind that it doesn't matter what I go through or what I have to go through, I'm going to make sure I'll get there no matter what. That is incredible. And so this will be fun because your transition from weightlifting training and to into bodybuilding training. I know you said you snuck some, you know, you were sneaking some bicep curls in, you're doing that, right? So yeah. how much do you, what, what do you think the impact was on your physique? Obviously, because you're a world-class natural bodybuilder. How, what do you think the impact was from your weightlifting to the build of, or at least the foundation of, you know, the physique you were bringing to the stage, which happened mm-hmm. obviously in your twenties, how mm-hmm. much of an impact do you think that had? Huge, huge impact. I mean, um, when I transitioned from bodybuilding to weightlifting, because it's two different disciplines. I mean, you can bring a weightlifting mentality when it comes to training into bodybuilding because, you know, normally we'll do one rep mass, two reps, five reps. That's how far, that's how many reps we do because we do heavy loading. I mean, heavy loading almost every single day. So with bodybuilding, you got to go high volume. It's not about one, they don't already care how much you lift when you step on stage. They want to see how good you look. So I had to literally leave that body, Olympic lifting ego. Because Olympic lifting ego is about numbers. How many, how much can you squat? How much, how much can you deadlift? How much, you know, numbers on, on snatch and clean and jerk. So when I got into bodybuilding, I realized that I can't train like a weightlifter anymore. But the foundation that I got from weightlifting was incredible. From all those squats, all those, um, you know, deadlift struggles. Everything we do in, body, in weightlifting is about legs, back, shoulders, legs, back, shoulders. So I built those foundations from Olympic weightlifting. So when I transitioned into bodybuilding, I looked like a tri- I looked like a triangle. No shoulders, no chest, no arms, but I have all legs. I mean, the legs were just massive. And I got my pictures back from my second show, and I look at myself I'm like, this is my I'm out of line. I'm out of, out of symmetry. My quads was just too big. So I decided to create a program where I'm gonna kind of slow down on the lower body and then start working more on the upper body. I'll say it took me over five to six years to basically kind of like bring, I slowed down, I'll probably walk my lower body maybe once every three weeks. You know, so I, I yeah, once every three weeks and once a, once a week. And then I walked my upper body more often. And within about five to six years, my upper body cut up and, I was able to start moving deeper into Olympic, I mean, weightlifting, I mean, bodybuilding training. Got it. it it's kind of funny because that's like the opposite problem of what a lot of yeah. bodybuilders have. So that definitely did. did have a yeah, massive impact. And yeah. it's cool. It, it's cool because a lot of like, if you look at like Sergio Oliva, Arnold, mm-hmm. these guys started in weightlifting, right? Great. Yeah, they did. They did. I mean, I, like I said, if, if I bringing up a kid, into eventually become a bodybuilder, I would start him with weightlifting because there's a lot of, you know, deep muscle fiber connection, you know, when it comes to doing Olympic lifting than when it comes to doing bodybuilding. And I think also what Olympic lifting gave me was muscle endurance because, I mean, the amount of squats we do when we in the training session, the amount of snatch and clean and jerk, if you, endurance is gone, your technique is gone, your strength is gone. So when I got into bodybuilding, the posing, you know, people always ask me, how are you able to hold the posing for that length of time without getting tired? You know, I'm like, because I think that foundation from Olympic weightlifting, that mentality of 
you got to do it no matter what, even when you're tired. So that really helped me a lot, a lot in bodybuilding. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And how has your training transitioned from that time, right, when you were first getting into the bodybuilding to mm-hmm. now, which is, mm. what are you in your, I want to say. I'm, I'm going to be 49 tomorrow. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Oh, so happy <laughs> early birthday. Happy early Thank birthday. Thank you. That's Thank incredible. You. So you're Thank right you. around. You're yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. So you're right around like Philip Ricardo's age. Um, yeah. Uh, if we're gonna yeah, like Jeff Alberts, these guys uh, mm-hmm. who, who mm-hmm. are still competing, still doing their thing. Yeah. yeah. How how has your training transitioned from then till now in terms of because mm-hmm. you got incredible longevity? You still look amazing. I'm looking at you now Thank from you. the Zoom meeting. Like your Thank biceps you. are, are popping out of your shirt. Like, <laughs> let, let's be honest here. You could probably Thank step you. on stage. Yeah, for sure. So, I agree. How, yeah, I agree. right. So, so, so t- talk to me. Or, you know, how has your training evolved since you know from then till now? So you can keep doing mm-hmm. it for so many years. Mm-hmm. If we're talking about working around uh, or working, uh, you know, breaking through obstacles, whether it be injuries, uh, keeping yourself healthy, but still looking like this you know incredible specimen you are you are you. With, with in terms of uh bringing an, ama- an amazing physique to the stage thank you well i mean it's changed a lot i mean it's it's all about being smart and then listening to yourself because a lot of bodybuilders always feel like they have to keep up with the others and for me coming from a strength sport i didn't care how much i bench press i didn't care how much i squat those things don't matter to me the mirror for me is what I'm looking at, number one. Number two, my feel. How do I feel today? Can I just go, I like, people like, how much you squat? I'm like, as much as I can. How much you bench press? I don't, I don't ever give them numbers because bodybuilding is an aesthetic sport. It's not a number sport. You see bodybuilders going to the gym, oh, I have one rep max, whatever. I'm like, that's okay. If that's what you want to do, that's great. But the reason why I think I have this longevity in the sports. Every year, I listen to my body. And my body kind of lead me into, okay, this year, we used to do this last year. We can still achieve the same goal, but we have to change the training modality. You know, don't go crazy. I mean, for me, if you ask me about numbers, crazy enough, maybe I'll put 245 pounds on the bar when it comes to squat. I might do 15 to 20 reps of maybe six or seven sets. I am not putting any more in there. People are like, well, you can go more. I'm like, what's the point? Just because I can doesn't mean I should. I don't, I, that doesn't, those numbers on the plate, it doesn't help me. I'm not, I don't need, I just need, for me, I always say that the weight is a tool. It's a tool. It's not the primary objective anymore. When I was Olympic lifting, the weight, the numbers, those are the primary objective. But in bodybuilding now where I'm at, I just want something to challenge my muscles. I want I want a weight that's going to, you know what, I'm struggling by the time I get to 15 repetitions or 16 reps. I don't care if I'm curling 20-pound dumbbell or 30-pound dumbbell. As long as I'm looking at my muscles, I'm feeling what I want to feel, and, and I'm getting the results from that, I don't, that, I would say that's one main thing that I've changed with my training modality is no numbers. No numbers. I can go into the gym today. I'll just pick up 20-pound dumbbells on the curls or 15 pounds next week or maybe, you know, high-volume training. And and also what I've also changed that I'm not doing a typical bodybuilding training anymore where let's say today you're doing chest, for example. 
you just go on one exercise, you do maybe 15 or 12 reps of six sets, and then you move from there to another exercise. I do mostly supersets now. I want to spend less time in the gym, but intensity should be high. So I will combine three or four exercises together in one set. You know, maybe I'll start with a push-up, I'll do a dumbbell, you know, flat bench, I'll do a, you know, bar incline, and I'll go from there to cable flies. That's an example of, you know, just a chest day. I'll probably do those combinations together like that. I'll probably do about eight to 10 sets of them. I'm done with that training session. It's done. So like the typical bodybuilding training that I used to do in the past, you pick an exercise, you finish the exercise, you move to the next one. I mean, you're spending close to two hours. I don't have that time anymore. You know, as, as someone who's also a trainer, I want to be intense. I want to be short with the duration and I want to get out of it. Ah, that's it. That is interesting because, and I'm sure you are familiar. I'm sure you competed alongside him. Martin mm-hmm. Daniels was saying mm-hmm. some very similar things. Oh, really? Where, yeah, very similar <laughs> in regards to, with regards to that intensity, combining mm-hmm. exercises. And mm-hmm. that seems to be a different era or a different kind of approach that, that maybe a lot of the up and coming, uh, you know, bodybuilders from, you know, if we're going to stick to natural bodybuilding, um, mm-hmm. where they're, like you said, where they're kind of sticking to one exercise and waiting, to, you know, do three, four sets, move on to the next one. Yeah, it takes long. Yeah. It does take longer, but do you think, do you think that the, the, the kind of how you're approaching it now, is that more just from a time saving perspective, health perspective, or do you think it's also could be used for, you know, to optimize muscle growth, even from, from, for a young lifter? Or do you think they have to kind of go through that, those steps that you were, you were talking about before where you kind of finish an exercise? Or, or do you think there's multiple ways to approach this? There's multiple ways to approach it. Everybody has their own. Like, for example, I was telling a client this morning, like, you know, five plus four is nine, you know, and six plus three is also nine. We're right at nine but we took different routes to get there. I said, whatever you feel works for you, then go ahead. And if you want to like, you know, adapt someone else's approach and you try it and it works, then go for it. So for me, the reason why I did that is because of, you know, time is number one. Number two is recovery because we know that as you get older, you know, your body takes longer to recover. And number three for me is like you just said, it's for me compacting those exercises really break my muscle down faster. So I have a longer time to recover. I have more time to recover. But if I'm spending two, three hours at the gym, it takes longer for you to recover. But when you compact the whole exercise in a short period, I'm breaking down more muscle in a short period of time instead of breaking down muscle in a long period of time. So it's probably going to take me a longer time to recover. So I wish I knew this when I was younger. I will adapt this style of bodybuilding training now today because I can see the effect. Even at almost 50, I feel like I'm still making gains, which is, you know, they always say the older you get. I, I don't believe in that. I think, you know, when you when you educate yourself and you keep learning, how how can I better myself? How can I change? What can I do to to make this workout more efficient and lower the risk of injury? And that's the key point for me. It's lowering the key. Because I always feel like if you're straining while you're working out, your joints are crying. That's just my mentality. Because I know what I used to do when I was weightlifting. 
there was a lot of straining. I, I mean, I, I, I went through a lot of injuries in weightlifting. I blow out my elbows twice, complete dislocation from 90 degrees there to 90 degrees that way. Dislocated my hip, had a bunch of knee problems. So I know what it feels like to continually lifting heavy, you know. But people say, well, some of the magazines said none of you to build muscle, you have to lift heavy. I'm like, it's like he's saying, in order for you to be a chef, you just have to put water on the stove and boil water and you become a chef. No, there are some intricate things that you have to do. You know, what is your form, your tempo, your, the angle of your spine when you're doing a specific exercise? Are you really isolating that muscle? Are you just swinging your body all over the place? So there's a lot of other things you have to put into consideration. It's not just about lifting heavy. That's why when I'm working out in gym, I see confused look in a lot of especially the young ones you know i'm just curling 20 pound dumbbells and you're looking at my arms like something is not right why is he curling only 20 pounds and then there's a guy over there throwing 45 pounds around and he's not even close to what this guy looks like you know what i'm saying so i am a big proponent of time under tension i love time because i've used time under tension for years and I know that that for me, that's one of the things that still helped me up to today. Because if you do, if you're doing time under tension, if the weight is too heavy, your muscle will let you know right away. You're gonna have to drop that weight down. But if there's no tension within the rep, you're just using momentum. You won't even know the information. Is it going into the muscle right away, or is it going to the swinging motion? You know, because at the end of the day, the training that we're doing is information to the muscle. Are your muscles getting the right information? So my motto is the slower you go when it comes to bodybuilding, the faster the information goes in. Some people have their own method. They will disagree with me, and that's okay. You know, I'm just talking about what works for me, and I like to feel the muscle during the set. No, no. That is incredible because I think that's, that is wisdom for many, many years of approaching different styles of training. You've done heavy, you've done Olympic weightlifting, you've done it, you've almost done like a whole spectrum of different styles. So if we're talking about longevity and you're talking about health and you're talking about doing mm -hmm. this for another 20, 30 years, 20 right? Years. Yeah. It's yeah. like, man, we're talking about preventing injury as well injury. and getting the most benefit, right? Is that not what you're, yeah. that's, that's basically what I'm gathering from what you're saying mm -hmm. is, the, mm -hmm. the the method behind the madness here in terms of why that's so important the time under tension thing because you're you're right you go into a gym I, I see it all the time where people are just swinging and launching weight and how, how many sets do they really have to do in order to stimulate whatever muscle they're trying to work right in order to do there that there you go yeah yeah and I, I've had you know male clients who will come in and say oh let's put weight on the leg press I'm like hold on let's do it this way if you can do it this way I'll give you your 400 pounds. Let's do it my way. So let's slow it down. So I basically what I try to do with them is I educate them about time and attention, what it means, why it's so important to breaking down muscle in a short period of time with less weight and less straining on your joints. They're like, no, I just want to lift up. So, okay, hold up. What's your goal? I want to build muscle. Okay, let's do it this way. So I put them on the leg press, maybe put like 35 pounds on both sides. They're looking at me like, what are you doing? I'm like, just hold on. Let's do this first set. They just you know, take the weight off and then just oh, slow it down. So let's count four seconds on the way down and three seconds on the way up. By the time they get to 12 reps, they're looking at me like, can we drop the weight down? <laughs> I 
I'm like, but you say you want to load up the whole leg press machine. I think it's the mentality of lifting heavy builds mass. Don't get me wrong. You need the weight to build the muscle. Don't get me wrong. But when you focus on that all the time and not focus on the other stuff, and then you'll be spending time and days and months and years, and you're not still close to where you want to be, is because you have the wrong mentality. And when you get to the gym, you're all over the place. You got to pick a spot. Pick that spot. Educate yourself about what you're doing because you can. If someone told you this, I'm like, you know what? Go online, go look for the best, or pick up a book on exercise anatomy, for example, or the science of building muscle. It will explain everything to you. But most people always think you walk into the gym, the ego training, I call it. Everybody wants to train their ego. So I tell my clients, leave your ego at the door because when you come in here, I'm going to humble you. <laughs> if you think you're going to come here and throw maybe 30 pounds of lateral I'm going to give you five pounds and I'm going to blow your shoulders away. So it's about having a plan, having a blueprint and commit to it. And forget about what everyone comes. Hey, man, that guy is weak. He's only bench pressing 10 pounds. Who cares? If they take their shirt off and you take their shirt off, you look better than them. Isn't that what we're trying to achieve in the first place? Right? <laughs> oh, 100%. I mean, this is we're talking bodybuilding here, man. Natural. Yeah. Look. This is what the listeners need to hear because there's a lot of young folks getting into this. Even some of the older folks, sometimes they let the ego get the best of them. And um, who better to learn from than someone like yourself, you know, where you've gone through all these different spectrums or styles of training. And it's like, do you want to be doing this for 10, 20, 30, 40 years? Or are, a lot of people are thinking right now, no. Press this girl that's in the gym, whatever it might be. Am I right or what? <laughs> you, you're right. I agree. I agree. I mean, I was at the gym the other day. I was I was training, and I saw these guy was he was he was deadlifting. That's one thing. There's what I call the deadlift culture today. Everybody wants to deadlift. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to into strength training, fantastic. But make sure you you learn the right way, you know. And this guy, I thought his back was gonna snap in half. I mean, one thing about me is because I'm I'm a student of the game. I'm I'm going to continue to be a student of the game. But at the same time, I also care about the game. I care about the sport and I care about people. And when I see someone doing that, I don't do it anymore. I used to like, hey, man, you know, I know you're trying to deadlift. Drop the weight. When immediately I tell them to drop the weight down, they give me a look. Hey, I'm, I'm lifting heavy, bro. I'm like, okay. I'm not saying you're not lifting heavy, but there's a right or wrong way to do things. I said, if you keep doing it that way, you're eventually going to hurt yourself. And that lifting heavy that you want to do, you might not be able to do for the next six, seven. God knows what you're going to hurt. And they look at me and say, ah, this is the way I've been always been doing it. I'm like, okay. So when they say that, I just walk away. Because I love to help people. Because I know for me to get to the point that I am right now, over the years, back in the day, the gym culture, the older people in the gym helped the younger ones. And when they see the younger ones doing something wrong, they walk up to them, like, hey, boy, come over here. Let me show you this. Let me show you this. And over the years, I've learned from the guys in the trenches. And for me, I just want to give that back to the young ones coming up. But today, the young ones always feel like, oh, I watched this stuff on YouTube. I saw this stuff on Instagram. and It's set to do this. I'm like, okay. I just walk away. I'm like, he's not listening. Because even with me, I always want to, remain a student no matter how much I know they always say the greatest teachers are the greatest students 
they keep learning because they know no matter how much you know, there's something you haven't learned yet. And they, kids today feel like they know everything. So yeah, I just walk away from that. Yeah, it's unfor- it really is unfortunate. I think the social media era maybe has something to do with that. Because if you look back at, you know, you, you mentioned it at the beginning, that's why I'm bringing this up, but like the pumping iron, that, that culture, that camaraderie where everyone's helping each other, people spotting each other, that doesn't exist mm-hmm. anymore as much, at least from yeah. my perspective, my experience going into gyms, that really doesn't exist. I don't know. How, 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 do you find a similar thing um, on your end, uh, Moji, where, you know, in, yeah. in the gyms where do you see a lot of that happening? Like, because from what you just told me, it sounds like mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of people that are more closed off um, from getting advice or input. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate. I agree. It, it, you know, I see it here, too. I see it here when I go to gyms here in L.A., even the older ones. You know, I remember back in the day, we help each other out, you know, at a show, competition, everybody's oiling everybody else. And, you know, hey, let me use your weights a little bit. But today, you know, I don't know, like you said, it could be the social media thing, you know, and they forget that what they're doing now, someone has done it before. And it's going to be a time that you're not going to be able to do it anymore. So the best thing you can do is leave something behind and and teach other people, because if you don't, you're going to take away things of no use. So for me, I, I'm still me. I still do it. When someone walk up to me, something, hey, man, can I ask you why you're going slow? And if I'm resting between sets, you know what? I explain to them because they, they see a lot of people don't get it because they, they see the other guy, they look around and say, why is he, the, it looks like I'm going in super slow motion and everybody is going on the same speed. And, and I can see that he was thinking like, he's trying to figure it out. And I know bodybuilders sometimes can be intimidating. People want to go ask them questions, they kind of blow them off and they don't help them out. I'm like, remember, someone helped you to get to where you got to. You didn't get here by your own will alone. Yeah, you know stuff. But where did you learn those things from, from other people? So I always leave that room open when people want to come ask me questions. As long as I'm not in my set, don't tap me on the shoulder when I'm doing <laughs> shoulder press and ask me a question. <laughs> I'm going to give you a look like, bro, come on, man. let me finish my set. So I'm, I'm willing. You know, people ask me questions on my social media pages, like from all over the world. You know, I get questions from from as far as, as China to Japan to the Middle East. I'm, I mean, I answer every single question. And the reason why I did that was because when I first started bodybuilding and one of my bodybuilders, I looked up to him. I'm not going to mention names. I looked up to him. And I just, this is the time of email before social media. I emailed him and said, hey, man, I really look up to you. You're amazing. I just asked him a question. What do you think about this? Nothing came back. And it hurt my feelings. It really hurt me as as a teenager that I look up to this guy. I mean, I admire him. And when he didn't respond back to me, it, it hurt me. So I promised myself that maybe one day if I get to a certain level and, and I get a question from someone, no matter how small that question is, I'm going to answer every single question of her. That is incredible. Obviously, I can relate to, to some extent with, you know, reaching out to sometimes people that you, you know, look up to or, um, mm-hmm. you know, you have a question for them and they don't respond. I'm sure you're not the only one with that, but that's a good yeah. way to approach. That's a, that's a, that's a great way to approach it. I mean, I mean, Hey, look, we're on this podcast right now. So you're already, <laughs> you're, yeah, you're showing it, man. And you're showing it. So that's, <laughs> Thank you. that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And 
So if we were if we were gonna look at um or transitioning to maybe your contest history, because I, I think that, that 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 would be fun from a natural bodybuilding uh you, you you okay, so first off, you said you competed in the MPC, which is for natural bodybuilders, it, it's not uh yeah, yeah, he's la- exactly. So it's not exactly the uh, place to go, but you did well too, right? Like you were winning you I think you had won an overall and you can answer yeah, this. I won two overalls actually. Two overalls and the MPC yes. is a natural bodybuilder. So let let's walk yes. us through how that uh, how that started. So uh, yeah. yeah, why don't you walk us through that history? So what happened? I used to compete with with this organization called the UNBA and um, ACBA. It's a very small natural bodybuilding organization, and I won a bunch of the shows already. And I told myself, I said, look, I don't want to keep winning shows here on this platform. I want something bigger. I want to challenge myself. And there were no other big, you know, natural bodybuilding organization out there. I said, okay, what's the next step? NPC. One of my friends said, NPC, come on, man, you're a natural bodybuilder. Why do you want to go that route? Like, look, I want to challenge myself. I want to see how far I can go with competing with the guys that are not natural. And that's the reason. And then, and also the reason why I did that is to show the upcoming, the young ones that you don't have to take the drugs. And I'm not knocking the ones that are taking the drugs. I'm sure, you know, that is the route they wanted to go. You know, great for them. I'm just saying you don't have to do it because we know what happens down the road when you're doing the drug for so many years. Even people that did it for a short period of time, something still happens to them. And I, I, that's why I said, I'm going to put myself out there. You know, said I, I'm going to try and see if I can compete with these guys. And the first show that I did, I did the MPC. I think it was the Cal, the California Championship. I won my class. And I did the LA, I won my class. I'm like, okay, well, I can hang with these guys. And that's when I just started competing in MPC. And so when I won my first overall over a super heavy as a middleweight, I was a middleweight then, and I won my first overall, everybody started looking, hmm, is it really natural? You know, that's when the 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 kind of chatter start going on the ground. And I mean, and I told them, look, if you want to ask me a question, come directly and ask me. If you want to know how long I've been doing this, I would tell them, look, I've been doing this before most of these kids were born. And I'm like, some of you, some of some parents have taken their kids through college and I'm still doing it. You know what I'm saying? And because when, when people see people with this quality kind of muscle as a natural bodybuilder, they think it's an overnight success. I'm like, I've been, I've been doing this for over 30 years, man. I mean, seriously. So it's been a long time and I try to stay at that steady pace. I don't want to like go ahead myself. Whatever my body allows me to do, I do it and I push myself a little bit. And and that's the reason why I got into the NPC competition about back then. Ah, okay. So and so from the MPC, did you because then you of course you it was the IPE and then the mm-hmm. IMPA kind of came IPA. later on. Yeah, yeah. How, what age was that for you specifically, where you started kind of transitioning into the into the natty leagues? I think I was probably in my late twenties to early thirties. Okay. Yeah, late to early thirties, late twenties to early thirties, and then that's when I started going deeply. So I stopped competing. Interesting, I didn't stop. So this is what happened with the NPC shows. So we're going on a vacation. My wife is from Hawaii, and we're going to vacation in Hawaii. He goes, oh, honey, there's a show in Hawaii, an NPC show in Hawaii. I'm like, okay, do you want to do it? So one thing about me that most people don't know is that I 
choose my health first. Most bodybuilders choose bodybuilding first. Health is number one. Bodybuilding is number two. You know, so I don't just do it for the stage. I do it all year round. And I can decide to do a show next week if I want to. Because I try to keep myself not only healthy, but at the point where I don't have to do all those, you know, crazy come from 130, 140 pounds to do a show. You died for three to four months to do a show. Not only is that tasking to your body physically, but mentally. I mean, how long can you be going back and forth, you know, tearing the body, abusing the body? And the mind is going through trauma as well. And we all know that the body keeps the score of the trauma. You know, when you go through trauma mentally, your body's keeping that score. So if you abuse your body so much for so many years, when you get to an age where you say, okay, now I want to steady myself. Now you basically mess up your metabolism. Your thyroid is all over the place. Now you're battling health problems. Even as a natural bodybuilder, even as a natural, you can, that can happen because that's an abuse to it. Going from, you know, 30% body fat to almost, what, 6 5% body fat. So for me, I, I'd like to keep it healthy. I like to, if I'm a body, if I say I'm a bodybuilder, I think this is a weightlifter mentality. Like weightlifters, if you, you know, if you don't train for two weeks, your numbers are going down. So you don't want the numbers to go down. So as a bodybuilder now, is a mentality, if I call myself a bodybuilder, I want to bring a bodybuilder 24-7. That's my mentality. It is not the sport. The sport is you got to go through bulking phase, and then you go through bulking phase, and then you got to strip down when you're getting ready for a show. I did that in the beginning of my bodybuilding career, and it was uncomfortable. And I told the guy that was helping me at that time, like, this can't be right. He goes, everybody else, everyone else does that. I'm like, I don't like that. That goes against what I believe as an athlete. You know, train to improve and then back off to slack and train again and then back off. I said, I just want to do my own thing. And that's why I adapted this method of staying there. I probably, I would say I'm probably about 97% to a stepping on stage right now, even though I don't have a show coming up. <laughs> yeah, because every time after every workout, I go into the locker room, it's a mirror. I always do my posing. Even though if there's no show coming up, I'm always posing like I'm getting ready for a show. So I was posing, and there's this gym that I work out, the Gold's Gym in North Hollywood. A lot of IFBB competitors do train there. So I was posing, one guy, the guy walked there, hey, man, so when is your show? Are you getting ready for it? I said, no. He said, come on, man, stop lying. I said, no, seriously. I'm not, I'm not getting ready for a show. I'm just, I'm just getting ready for me. I'm just training. He couldn't believe it. He's like, there's no way you're going to look like this and not step on, on, the, on, the, on the stage, maybe on stage two or three weeks from now. I said, no, I'm just, I'm doing it for me. And it feels good. It's not hard. We just think it's very difficult to keep my body fat where it is and still keep building muscle. I'm like, I love it. It's, it's, it's more health for me and longevity, like you said, than anything else. That is so cool because you're not the first off, you have guys like Philip Ricardo, who I've spoken with, who you know, who also, Meshach, I'm not sure he's kind of like an up, uh, 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 well, I wouldn't say up and comer because, I mean, he's not he's not exactly, you know, approaching 50. But uh, again, yeah. it's like he was saying kind of, of a similar thing where he, he stays about 10 pounds away from stage. And I don't know, is that, do you think that's more has to do with the experience of being in it for so long where your body can... You know, you built your physique, you built your muscle where you can, um, yeah, I, 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 it's just, it's baffling because like you said, where 
a lot of the the young bodybuilders, the, the approach is bulk and then cut, bulking and cut, but not not bulk like where it's like okay, we're gonna try to build some muscle, maybe stay in a you know in a slight surplus. You see a lot of people get like fat, like out of shape, yeah. like it looks like. Do you even lift? Like that's the, almost the look. And, and right, and you're like, you know, for those listening to this, because the videos will come out, but he's laughing right now because it is true. And um, it's, uh, you know, this seems to be a, a, a thing that a lot of the older guys who are saying this, who have have the experience, who have gone through it. So tell tell us, how far are you away from the stage right now in terms of like, are you like five to 10 pounds away? Is it that close? Or so what you know about me, I don't do numbers. Oh, yes, that's right. You don't do numbers. I don't know how much I weigh. People always ask me, how much you weigh? I'm like, I really don't know. They, they want to know because I'm a feel guy. I'm a feel guy. I want to, if I look and feel, because bodybuilding is what? Look on stage. You can weigh 110 pounds, okay, and be more muscular than someone that weighs 130 pounds. It's crazy. Bodybuilding is the only sport that, that numbers doesn't matter. You know, it's interesting. There was a show that I did. I weighed 166 on stage, you know, before. And the only time, the only reason we have to weigh is they got to put us in weight class. So you cannot want to compete in lightweight on the weighing middleweight, right? So I competed in lightweight that year. So one of the competitors, when they saw me showed up, you know, and he probably think I was doing middleweight. Then he saw my name and lightweight. He was doing lightweight. The promoter wouldn't give me his name. He said, Moji, I know we know you compete in lightweight and this and that. And someone is saying, there's no way I can weigh lightweight. You know, I'm sorry I have to put you on the scale. I'm like, okay. Because I know my body. I know what my body numbers where I kind of like tinkle with. Step on the stage, I weigh 166. Yeah, okay, good. And so he passed the message back to the guy and said, well, he's in lightweight, man. Look at look. This is a number. And the guy had to move away from that weight class. I'm like, you're here to battle. You can't run away from a battle just because someone showed up. So this is the reason why I don't, I don't do numbers. And after that show, I post a couple of pictures on my Instagram. And then, oh, people commenting and said, how much do you weigh? I said, 166. The guy goes, no, 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 no. I'm talking about how much you weigh. I'm like, 166. He thought I was lying to him. But if you look at the pictures, it looks like I weigh 190 or more. That's the, that's the beauty of bodybuilding. That's why I don't do numbers. People are asking, what's your body fat? I don't know. I don't care. How much you weigh? I don't know. I don't care. I said, look at the mirror. Look at what's staring back at you. And I think most people miss the point by focusing on the numbers because the numbers might not tell the whole story. It's going to tell some story, but it's not going to tell the bulk of the story. So that's why I don't go by, I'm up 10 pounds away. Or the mirror is guiding me. If I do certain poses and I'm like, oh, that line is not as sharp. I know what to do to bring that line to be sharper in the next two weeks when it comes to nutrition. And that's the way I based on how I get ready for a show, don't get ready for a show, where I'm at with my body. So I don't really do numbers. You know what? It's so cool because I've heard Frank Zane say similar things with in terms of with regards to he looks at the at the mirror or he's taking photos to see okay how does he look 
Tom Platt's no numbers. Like this is mm. this is this is a different generation talking right now, guys. I'm, I'm the <laughs> listeners, you know, there's, a, there's a, it's all, you know, so many people are tracking like numbers to the like like I, I think it was um body natural bodybuilder who's been in this for a very long time and is actually 60 Kent Beerley, and he was saying like. Yeah, like these guys are like accountants. Some of these new guys coming up, like they got that the, the notepad with the. I did seven reps last time. I'm gonna do eight this time. It's like if we're talking, if you're talking bodybuilding, this is why this is why I bring on. You know, I, this is why I wanted to have you on Moji because it's like guys like you, you. Philip. You guys are a lot of you guys are saying very similar things. The new generation just coming in for the natural bodybuilding world, mm-hmm. they need to know who paved the way. You know what I mean? They need to they need to hear this because. There's a lot of the evidence-based movement rolling around, and that's cool. That's great. It has its place, but there's there's some there's so much value here, and I think it's if you know where it applies for you people, I think you, you you're gonna see how much how beneficial it could be towards your training, your life, and just reducing stress. Like get you know if you're always focused on the numbers, like how I would think that's that's unnecessary stress, especially for bodybuilding. I agree. I agree. It's unnecessary stress because. There are other things that you need to be focusing your mind on. When you sit there adding and subtracting and adding and subtracting, I'm like, man, you you you're not an accountant. You're a bodybuilder, man. Stick to what bodybuilding was. Back in the sixties and fifties and whatever, those guys don't have macros. They're hungry, they eat. They want to work out, they don't matter how many reps, they just want to tear that muscle to shreds so they can grow. They look in the mirror. They take pictures. They check each other's body. Who cares who's keeping their macros? Who's keeping numbers? How many calories? See, the calorie thing is just was just really baffles me. I just laugh at it. I go, look, okay, let me ask you a question. You're counting your calories. You're saying, I'm eating 200, whatever, 2,300 calories a day, whatever you want to do. So how many calories are you burning? Tell me. I say your brain, your brain will take 30% of your caloric intake already gone. Your kidneys. Your liver, every every organ in the body needs certain amount of calories to function. Okay, and then you eat, you restricting, cal- you holding yourself back, man. You're not eating enough. They're like, well, but I don't want to gain. I'm like, no. So when all those organs take a little, everything that they need, you have this much left. Are you are you accounting that calorie burn? No, you're not. You're just thinking, I weigh this much, I gotta eat that much. I weigh. Th-. I said, you know, everybody is different. I said, if you're a construction worker, you work in construction, and someone, you know, sits in the office all day, two different bodybuilders, getting ready for the same show, same class, they got a trainer, even giving them the same amount of caloric intake. I'm like, he's killing one, and he's suppressing the other, because this guy is not moving, and this guy moves every single day. So you got to account that energy output, you know what I'm saying? So for me, if you're going to count, I mean, like I said, everybody, some people like to do the numbers, but that's okay. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying is you, I always say, you know, you know, complication is the enemy of execution. You know what I'm saying? If you make things too complicated, it's going to be very hard for you to execute it. Just keep it simple. Keep it basic. Keep it intense and be aware of what you're looking at. Because at the end of the day, you're not going to step on stage. Your judges are not going to say, hey, number 10. What was the calorie intake today? They don't care. Right? What was your macro? They don't care. How good do you look? You can still get to 2% body fat and still not look good. You see what I'm saying? You know, yes. because bodybuilding is not a is not a is not a lean or you know skinny body fat kind of 
you know, you got to bring in the size, you got to bring in the volume, the muscle belly got to be full. Yeah, you got to bring in the conditioning, but don't sacrifice what bodybuilding. That's what sometimes I think, sometimes natural bodybuilding, they, they, every now and then I feel like they miss the point. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like when a guy shows up on stage, he's shredded. But remember, this is bodybuilding. This is, we're talking about, you got to bring muscle. You know, that's why I love the era of, of the 80s and 70s bodybuilders back in the day. You got to bring in muscle. We don't care if you're lean, you're shredded. You can have shredded glutes, but where are the muscles? Your muscles, your body is just long. You know, bring the conditioning and bring the muscle as well. But I feel like sometimes with natural bodybuilding, some organizations, they reward that shredded leaning side and not reward a guy because as a natural bodybuilder, it's hard for you to put on muscle size to begin with and then hold on to it. And then you're not going to reward that guy that he came in looking fantastic. He get, brought everything and then you give it to the guy who is just skinny, lean, and this guy brings in the muscle and the conditioning. You didn't reward him. Sometimes that just leave a bad taste in my mouth sometimes. And I think that's one of the things that I feel like natural body, they miss that point there, here and there. That is interesting because you are not the first person to bring this specific topic up. There was, I had that Siobhan Cunningham. I'm sure you're Oh, yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah, you guys can, with before. We can that's what I thought. At the Yorton, right? Before, yeah. yeah, yeah, the Yorton, yeah. Right, and he he was he was um saying how, and I'm gonna quote him because it was on the podcast, you know, where judges seem to be putting one aspect up on a pedestal in a lot of organizations, and it ha- and it seems to be conditioning. It seems to be shredded glutes, like that's like the thing they're looking at or something like that, right? Where it's like it, it, if you don't bring that, it's like you almost automatically lose. Like the guy with better symmetry, proportion, size. That guy's not in the ranks because this guy brought the shredded glutes when it's like, well, wait a minute. Like you just mm-hmm. mentioned, what, what happened to there's 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 symmetry, there's proportion, there's size. It's bodybuilding, right? Like, like you just said. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, do you think that natural bodybuilding has – was it always like that from your perspective? Was it like that no. at, you know, from when you first started? Okay. And no. why, do you th- why do you think it's going in that direction? What do you think it I- is that – that's that that's making it go in that direction. You know, I can't put my finger on it. I, I, I don't know why it went that route because when I first started natural bodybuilding before I even got my pro card, it wasn't like that. They're looking for the complete package. If a guy comes in, is super skinny, yeah, you have all the lines, but he's just straight up and down. And there's a guy beside him, he's conditioned, maybe not as shredded as a skinny guy. They're not going to reward the guy that's skinny. That's what they used to be back then. And when you go talk to the judge and say, you know what, you look good, but you're missing the point, which is muscle. We can't see your muscle belly is just too flat. It's not jumping out at us. I don't know where they, they made that turn and started rewarding, you know, guys that are super shredded and skinny and no no full muscle belly. And that guy, guy that really walked so hard, he kept his muscle size and he came in condition, but it's still don't reward. I don't know where that came from. I'm to tell you the truth. I have no idea. I don't know. I think for me, if I can put my finger on it, maybe started with close to maybe 2012, maybe 14, around that side, that area. And that year was, thing. I saw that the shifting started. I'm like, hey, it's bodybuilding, man. 
you know, it's not skinning competition. <laughs> I mean, I, I get it. I'm not trying to put anybody down. I'm just saying the criteria is in place. Follow the criteria. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like you said, you know, the reason why it's going in that direction is because they keep rewarding that level of conditioning. And it's almost, yeah, to a point where it's a little bit scary and potentially a little bit more unhealthy, let's be honest. Like you're getting down mm-hmm. to an, an even, you know, leaner state to the point where it's, you know, it could be more unhealthy. I, I, unhealthy. You know, that just, is that right? Yeah. Is, is that fair to say? You're you're right. you would know. I agree because when you get down that low, um, first of all, it affects your potassium. And we all know how important potassium is for the heart. You know, you can affect your potassium. Number two, it can affect your kidneys. You can go into renal failure, you know, and host of other things, your thyroid, your adrenal gland. It can be very, very, very unhealthy long term. And now I see a lot of natural bodybuilders are crossing over to NPCs a lot lately, a lot. And because, and I think that has a little bit to do with well, I'm not going to win. They, you know, reward that skinny guy over there. Yeah, he's shredded, but I have the muscle. I look good. But you know what? Let me go over here, even though I'm natural. But you know, a bunch of, like, over, over the last six years, a lot of natural bodybuilders, actually, Tom Pro, IBB Pro, that I've said. Yeah, a lot of natural bodybuilders. The sad thing about that is they cannot go anywhere without Pro Card if they don't do what the IBB Pros do. They can't. They're not even going to look at you. So, and I think that route might actually kill natural bodybuilders, in my opinion. That route might really basically just destroy natural bodybuilders because guys are going to say, well, you know, I don't want to be that skinny. I want to still hold on to my muscle. But you know what? If they're not going to reward me over here, I'm going to go over there. You know, and I think that's what I'm seeing more often the last five to six years. Wow. It's it's unfortunate because you look back at the times. I know things have evolved. Okay, I'm not I'm not delusional or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Things things are evolving in a certain direction. Just like the open bodybuilding, you know, went from okay Tom Platt's kind of that era with Arnold Sergio to you know Ronnie Coleman, right? Whether it's mm-hmm. good or bad or whatever you think, you know, we'll kind of leave that you know to the to you know we'll we'll put that aside for a second. <laughs> but you look at you look at guys like Steve Reeves, like you go even further back for a second and. You know, that seemed like a healthy way, you know, if we're just going to assume he was natural, let's just assume mm-hmm. for a second, but like, mm-hmm. that seemed like a healthy way to kind of approach this where, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of, in terms of the bodybuilding thing where it wasn't, it, you know, you wasn't getting to these ultra levels of conditioning. Now I'm not saying that it hasn't evolved to kind of what you were, you know, what you were mentioning, maybe early two thousands where they were still kind of uh, encouraging bodybuilders to step on stage with more size and not sacrifice that for this scary level of, you know, conditioning, but yeah. I don't know. It just, it would be cool to see it. It would be cool to see it kind of go back in that direction. It once was. And, you know, here's my question for you. Is there any organizations that you're aware of that isn't doing that natural, like that you can say, you know what, there's, there's a few that are actually still pretty, pretty honest about, you know, in terms of not just promoting, you know, again, just conditioning. I agree. I mean, I, I mean, the UMBA, which is, uh, you know, there's a, there's an organization right here. The UMBA does that. And I've seen some other, I've seen some stuff on social media, but I don't know which organization they are. I think WMBF also, you know, go with the writer. You got to bring muscle. This is bodybuilding, right? This is, this is not a skinny competition. Bring the muscle, <laughs> bring the conditioning with the muscle. We are going to reward you, but you cannot just show up, you know, flat on stage and thinking because you have all, 
all the lines in place and the muscles are not there. We're just going to give it to you. I, I think some of those organizations are still doing it the way it used to. And I think the mentality of you got to be super shredded to the bone. I think the promoters and the judges kind of look look into that and say, you know what? Are we are we judging bodybuilding shows here? Or are we judging someone that just show up and say, I have everything is shredded to the core, which is okay, but bring the muscle. There's no problem with so I don't have a problem with someone being shredded, but bring the muscle. So if I go to a show, you know, I look the way I look, and 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 I get off the stage, I play second, and through that I don't even know. As I'm walking off stage, backstage, and grab my bag, I'm like you won that show, you won that show, and I'm like, if the audience can can tell you, can see what everyone else is seeing, I mean, why are the judges going the other way? You know what I'm saying? Because bodybuilding is very subjective. That's the thing. That's the, the beast on its own. Highly subjective. No matter how great the criteria is, there's still going to be politics. It's, I mean, when I watch Pumping Iron, um, Arnold and his tricks and the judges, because he was the star. He was the star of the documentary. And they want to keep the star. I remember that one show that he did with Serge Newbray. In my opinion, Serge Newbray won that show. But guess what? They give it to the star of the show. And I knew right away, like, oh, man, this is what bodybuilding is going to be. And I I mean, over the how many shows that I've did and I've done, I've experienced that. And I'm, you know, I'll just take whatever placing, put my head up high, walk off stage. And I'm because what are you going to do? You're going to get mad. You're going to get angry. You're going to, you know, use that emotion to just drive yourself out of the sport. And I've had friends. Right from the beginning, when that happened to them, they just quit. They're like, I'm not going to go for this. I'm like, you know what you're going into. It's highly subjective. And if you don't love this sport, this is one thing about bodybuilding. My friends always ask me, I mean, why are you still doing this show? They'll go, they'll come watch the show, right? Even they don't know anything about bodybuilding. They'll come watch the show and they're like, oh my God, you know, we, we're looking at all those guys. You might win the show. I'm like, no, bodybuilding doesn't work that way. You guys are not my judges. I step on stage. Maybe I come in second, third, fourth, or whatever. And as I walk off stage, I'm consoling them. They're supposed to be consoling me. I just lost a show that they thought I should have won. I'm like, ah, I'm like, calm down. You know, it's a subjective sport. And why are you still doing this stupid show? Because I love it. I always tell them that. If you're doing everything else and there's no love behind it, when something doesn't go your way, you're going to quit. And when you quit, you're doing an injustice to yourself. Because this is what you want. You cannot allow the outcome of a show to determine what you want to do with the sport or not. Because if you allow them to do that, means you tell it, you you allowing them to say, you know, our opinion is going to determine your future. You know, if that was the case, I shouldn't be in bodybuilding right now. Like the first couple of years that I competed, I'm like, whoa. I kept telling myself, you know what you're into. You know, this is this is bodybuilding. And I love it. And I, I tell someone, I'm never going to stop bodybuilding until they pull me off stage. Until they say, man, old man, I think it's time to hang your poison trunk. Because I have, right from when I was a child, I've always loved how you can take a body from nothing to something. And people, do, a lot of people don't know this about me. I was a super skinny kid growing up. My nickname in high school was Bone. That was, yes. Bones. I was the skinniest guy in the whole elementary school. 
And when I started bodybuilding, people were, they were they were laughing at me because I had no athletic ability. I was prone to injuries. I had floating kneecap. I was super skinny when when you take my shoulders off, you, my shirt off, you can see ribs. And I just told myself, I said, you know what? That's the opinion. But what is your opinion about yourself? What do you really want to do? And it wasn't easy. It was hard. I mean, for me, I remember back then, I just want to gain one pound of muscle. That's it. Back then, even up till now, because I'm a hard gainer as an ectomol, it would take me about a year to gain five pounds of, maybe four pounds of muscle. A whole year. And some guy who's a mesomorph can gain five pounds of muscle in maybe six months, or maybe less than that. So, so when they see me, oh man, you got great genetics, and I just laugh at them. They're like, why are you laughing? I say, have you heard this word called hard work? Like, but you look at your genetics. I'm like, no. And I show them my skinny picture. They couldn't believe it. I'm like, that's you? That was you? I'm like, yeah. So I always tell all the upcoming kids that, you know, you can't do that because you're there. I'm like, don't let anyone tell you what you can and cannot do. You believe in yourself. You don't want anyone else. No one. You don't have to allow anyone else to believe in you. Just, just work. At the end of the day, the more work you put in, the more you're going to get out of it. Folks, take notes because that is huge right there. And especially with what you were saying, Moji, with regards to, you know, your friends that were getting upset because they thought you should have won because the politics mm -hmm. and all that bodybuilding mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. maybe it didn't go the way that, you know, they wanted it to go because they thought you should have been first. Man, that's maturity right there. Because like you said, there's some people, they get so emotional and they're like, man, this is, you know, this, what is this? Or they put up a scene yeah. or what, whatnot. It's like, you could be upset. But like, you know, you got to show some some class, right? Like that's kind of what yeah. you're saying where it's, mm -hmm. you know, things things aren't always going to be a first place thing. And plus, like you mentioned, you know, if you truly love it, at the end of the day, there's the next show and the show after that. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. and, you know, my so here's where I want to go with that. Was there, because with regards to the politics side of things, do you think that, was there um, certain shows that you felt like you had it or you should have, but it just, you know, it actually didn't happen for you. And maybe these were big events, whether it be world championships, you know, Yorton Cup, whatever it might be. Do, do you have anything specific in mind that you're like, man? Yeah, I'm laughing now. I'm laughing now thinking about it. So there was this show I did, and I think it was in Austin, Texas. And um, I think, um, I don't know if you remember, Marshall Johnson was there. Um, Cleveland Thomas was there. It was a, was, a, was a natural show. It was a big show. And we've heard something right from when we're checking in. Uh, this promoter, this. Because, I mean, you don't know about a promoter when you're entering a show. You just see a show, you put it in your calendar, right? I said, ah, you know, it's bodybuilding. What I, we've seen everything, right? So the show started. And after the prejudging, I've never heard this before. And they said, oh, you know what? There was a tie, you know, during the period. Normally, they don't tell the athlete on the until the show is over, right? They don't even tell you the, the, the numbers from the judges. And they said, well, your opposing routine tonight is going to break a time. I'm like, what? When did they bring in this new criteria about opposing routine having anything to do with the period? I'm like, you know what? Let's just go in. Whatever they want to do. And then a few minutes later before we step on stage, they said, well, we're not doing opposing routine anymore. They broke the tie. Just go ahead and do your routine. So we went up there. We do our routine. I think it was six pro bodybuilders on that stage. And then they were announcing the top five. So 
as we went back, so you were coming to top five. So Marshall, because I'm, you know, Marshall and I were close friends. We do shows together. We hang out together. You know, when he came to LA, he stayed at my house when we when he did a, a show in LA. So Marshall said, hey, Moji, let's go on stage. I'm like, they didn't call my name. Said, what do you mean? I said, they didn't call my name. Well, we're six bodybuilders and they're top five. There's no way, you know, I said, they didn't call my name, Marshall. Go ahead and stage and go get your... So I came in sixth at that show. <laughs> so I came in sixth at that show. It was really interesting. And I, it's funny. I just take it as is. I didn't, you know. So the guy that came in second, you know, we, I, we happened, both of us were sponsored by the same supplement company that sponsored that show. He came up to me. He's from Austin. So apparently they put all the homeboys, you know, top five. And they kind of snuck Marshall in there. They couldn't do anything with Mar- with um, Cleveland because obviously it's Cleveland. He looks the best, so he won. <laughs> so, so the guy that came in second, like as he came up to me, said, "Apologizing to me." I'm like, "What are you doing? Why are you?" Pro-? He said, "Man, I'm sorry, man." I'm like, "Don't apologize. It's not your, it's not your fault. You didn't put me in sixth place." He was, he said, oh, but they shouldn't have, but, but they did." Let's Dosa fit off stage and walk home. Wow. That was that was one that I I mean I, obviously I have other ones but that one really kind of stood out. Holy smokes! <laughs> like that, yo. When someone's apo- yo, when someone is apologizing for beating you, you already know something's up. Something is up. Politics, politics, politics. Holy smokes! Wow, man. This guy was like, man, it's, you take my second game, place. Man. Like, yeah. yeah, it's the game. It's the game, and and you know you have to have a thick skin. You know, I would say you got to be a rhino going to bodybuilding. Because if you're expecting just because your friend says you look good, everyone says you look good, you still might be the you, you might be the best looking guy in the show and still not win. You might be the best looking guy on the show in the show and still not place top three. You know what I'm saying? So I have that because they gotta you gotta have a sense of maturity going into it. I see people act out on stage a lot backstage. There was a show that I did. My first, my second pro show was the lineup was crazy. It was um, Ricardo, Cleveland, it was Kiyoshi. It was a tough, I mean, I've never seen these guys before. I've heard about them. This was my second pro show. I've heard about them. I've never seen them before. Everybody looked crazy incredible. So I came in fourth, which is, I mean, like I said, everybody was, talk about a master class, right? So, Backstage, the guy that came in fit, I can see on stage he was acting out. You know, the fit guy is supposed to stay at the end. So me being the fourth guy is supposed to stay between, you know, third, second, whatever. He wouldn't move. They were telling me he wouldn't move. I'm like, I kind of felt that energy. So backstage, he was just going crazy. He was acting out. He was pointing at me like, there's no way this guy would come in fourth. I just think in my head, I think when someone acts out like that, it's something deep down emotionally. It's not even about the placement. So I just ignored him because I don't know. He was trying to kind of get in my face. I'm like, hey, I'm not the judges. I didn't place myself for. They put me there because he felt like, because I was my second pro show, he felt like he's been doing, he's been a pro for a long time. So he felt like he needs to be rewarded regardless because I was just coming up. And I think that's what I felt. Maybe that's why he was acting that way that, I shouldn't have placed fourth. I should have placed fifth. It should have been fourth. I mean, if you're acting that way in a bodybuilding show, which is highly subjective, then you're in the wrong sport. 
I always tell people, look, if you get mad, if they place you a certain way, just go run track, you know, <laughs> or go go be a powerlifter. You you deadlift the heaviest weight, you always come in first. There's no style point, right? So I, I think that show was was one of the show. And it's funny, the woman that actually shot the show, you know, that shoot the whole um it took the shoot shot the show, she came up to me backstage. <laughs> It's funny. She goes, I'm so sorry. I'm like, I didn't even know who she was. She goes, I'm the one that was taking pictures on stage. And said, when they called, we didn't, we didn't, I was looking for you on stage to take pictures. And when I didn't see you up there, I told you know what I told I said, I appreciate your apology, but you know, I don't need an apology from you because it's not about you. I said, I knew what, I know what bodybuilding is. This stuff happens all the time. Even with the IMVB, we see it all the time. So I just take it as it is and I just get ready for the next show. That makes sense. That makes sense. And it sounds like, you know, with that show specifically, do you remember who, so you said it was like Kyoshi, Phillip. Do you, uh-huh. uh, was, who else did you, uh, Cle- uh, was Cleveland? You said it was Cleveland. Cleveland was, was there. Cleveland, yeah, Cleveland was there. Sounds like it could have been the Yorton, but I, or, or the Pro it's International. It's not the Yorton. It the was the muscle, muscle Mayhem. Ah, the Muscle Mayhem. Okay. The muscle gotcha. Mayhem. It was was the that, muscle that, Mayhem. That, that's the W, is that the WMBF? No, it used to be an IP, IFPA show before oh. the promoters of of IFPA because they used to be with WNBF. They went to NBF IFPA. And then all of a sudden, they switched back to some... So they're WNBF now. Got it. Got it. Yes. So, yes. You, so you've, you've done the IPE, uh, meaning you're, you're... Well, you're an IPE pro. You're an IFPA mm-hmm. pro. Did you mm-hmm. have you done the have you competed in the WMBF or PMBA emoji? No, I haven't. No, okay. I haven't. Are, yeah. Was that something that was that something that you know eventually you kind of wanted to do but just didn't get around to it? Um, or were you were you happy with where where you were competing? You know, even though even though I got my pro card with you know IP I I IP I feel like I I'm not really don't want to be affiliated with one you know organization. I want to move around. But one thing about me is integrity is number one. You know, I feel like the way the promoters treat the, the, the athletes, when the athlete shows up, I, I'm looking at, I'm, I'm recording everything mentally. I'm taking mental notes. And when I come through with an organization and I feel that the promoter is just in it for themselves and they don't really care about the bodybuilders, I'm never going back there again. That's Got just it. my mentality. Because at the end of the day, without the bodybuilders, you can't have a promotion. We have without the bodybuilders, you can't make any financial gains from anything. And if you don't treat them right and respect them, so why why am I even there? You know, you have to value. I feel like you need to value yourself first. And if you feel like you're not being valued in an environment, for me, I'm not gonna go there again. So there are some organizations that have had bad experiences when it comes to not even forget about the stage. I'm talking about, you know, the whole thing, the whole event itself. And I felt like, you know, people weren't treated right. And I just felt like I don't want to be part of that. Got it. Got it. I know yeah. that's un- yeah. that's understandable. It goes beyond just just the stage from what you're telling me. It's yeah. like it sounds like yeah. it could just be a customer service thing sometimes, right? Yes. 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 I agree. Yeah. Interesting. So, you know, obviously you've had better experiences or good experiences with the IPE and the IFPA and uh, mm-hmm. maybe even the MPC to some extent. Even I mean, MPC, yeah. MPC, yeah. 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 Like I wow. was saying earlier, 
And my wife said, okay, we're going to Hawaii. I think it was three, maybe four years ago. You want to do this show? Because she knows how I am. She goes, I can get ready for a show in two weeks, maybe less. I goes, okay, let's do it. So we got there. You know, I got to stay in, in prep mode, you know, because I'm on vacation. I can't just eat anything. So we got there. You know, I just had my tank up and my to check in short. All the bodybuilders are bundled up, you know, they're covered up. Like, they don't want me. And they're looking at me. They didn't think I was competing because most of them have never, because it's an NPC show. Some of them don't really know who I am, right? And I just checked in and said, hey, you compete? I'm like, yeah. And they're looking at me like, yeah, flip-flops on, shorts and tank up. Okay. <laughs> and I just checked in. And then the next day, they're like, wow, he's really competing. And I won the show, won the overall, you know, as a middleweight. And I just feel like for me, bodybuilding is a lifestyle. It's not a stage thing. Because you never know when you're going to be an example for someone. You know, you could be in the mall. You can be walking down the street, anywhere. And say, hey, man, um, how do you get to look like this? Or, you know, what do you do to for your calves? Or Because for me, I always feel like, I'm always willing to help, to give information. So if you're a walking billboard of information, people will look at you and say, well, I want to learn something from this person. And I think, I feel like if, if a lot of bodybuilders do that, um, because people think bodybuilding, they think ego. They think bodybuilding, they think arrogance, you know? And it's really interesting when they meet like, wow, you stood down to earth. I'm like, what is that supposed to mean? So well, we've been around some bodybuilders where they just they just feel like they're better than us because they look physically better than us. And they wouldn't even talk to us. Side story. I remember when I used to compete in NPC, he was um what's this bodybuilder's name? I don't like to drop names, so I'm not gonna drop his name. So <laughs> okay. he was one of the guests. I don't like dropping names. He was a guest host at the show. He was one of these IBB, top high IBB. By that time, he was actually top three that year. And he was backstage. He was getting ready, pumping. And one of the guys, just a young guy, just went and grabbed a dumbbell around me. And he goes, what are you doing? So I just want to let him put that down. Don't you know who I am? Like that to that kid. I'm like, I just feel disappointed. because, And I look up to this guy. I'm like, you got to be a good person. Being a good-looking bodybuilder is not enough. Because I feel like after a while, that's going to fade away. Then who you are as a human being is what's going to remain. And when you don't treat people good, when you're in a position where people have to treat you good, I mean, there's something called cause and effect of karma. You know, you didn't treat someone good when you're way up. And when you're dropping down, you think someone is going to hand hand out and try to hold you up. I'm like, if, if bodybuilders or maybe athletes in general, just be a human being. Don't be a football player. Don't be a boxer. Don't be a bodybuilder. When you step off stage, be a human being. We know who you are. You don't have to be that all the time. And and I think if a lot of bodybuilders do that, then the, the perception of bodybuilders generally might change a little bit. Because I've seen it. I've seen it at a gym. They have to kick this guy, a bodybuilder, out of the gym because he was being rude and belligerent to people because, you know, they took one of his dumbbells. I'm like, say dumbbell, go pick another. Go get another so I think, you know, for me, it's more than just bodybuilding. It's life. Yeah, that's that's extremely, extremely valuable to hear that because especially for anyone listening, 
because it's not just about like you had mentioned this egotistical like you know I'm so vain you know that song mm-hmm. or whatever when I was it's like it's all about the looks it's like nobody mm-hmm. nobody's gonna want to be around you so then it's gonna be a very lonely life for you if you're gonna be like that right it's like come on yeah guys, right? yeah yeah I that's agree. Not a cool, I agree. Yeah, that's not that's not a that's not the lifestyle that you know. I think it was um I think it was a an interview. I, I don't know if it was an interview or was it an article I read where either it was Reg Park or or maybe it was Steve Reeves, one of these guys from back then, where the reason why they trained three times a week was because they wanted to have that complete life. You know, the, a, a job. You know, you know the, the 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 acting thing. It was it was more than just building the physique. It was a whole lifestyle mm-hmm. around what bodybuilding can offer, right? Um, I agree. confidence, all that good stuff, but it just, it mm-hmm. reminded me of that. So that's, I, you know, I wanted to mention that cause it, it really did. It took me back to that article I read, but that, that is so important. I, I, I'm glad you brought that up. Thank yeah. you. Oh, I, absolutely. And you know, I know you said you don't like dropping names, but this is for a positive thing. If you were going to go back to your com- contest history, was there certain competitors that you just really enjoyed competing against either because it was like, that that camaraderie, but you know, backstage, you know, whether it be there were, you know, it was a challenge for you. You felt like, oh, I'm competing in the, against this guy. Oh, it's going to be a good battle tonight. Something like that, where you remember specifically, um, and maybe even if you want to drop the show or you know get a little bit in, into detail, that would be kind of fun, I think, for the listeners too. For me, I feel I see everybody as a threat, but one guy that I love, I love. I'm like, oh, it's going to be there. This is good. Cleveland Thomas. I love it. Because for me, I always want the best to be there so I can challenge myself and, and measure myself up to someone who is up there, who is the target. Because if you want to go to a show and, and you know, oh, this person is going to be there. Oh, I'm not doing that show. I see bodybuilders. I, every now and then I see bodybuilders. I mean, Cleveland was one of my guys that I, we have fun, man. I mean, when you go, especially when we go for an overall, we always have fun. I mean, we battle. We actually did a guest posing routine together one time. So the competition will be the Yorton Cup. I don't remember the year. I think that Yorton Cup was in Arizona. That year was in Phoenix. And it was super close. I won my class. He won his class. The heavyweight guy won his class. And we battled that, that, that year. I mean, they kept up on stage. I don't know. Like, we were, we were just for more than 15 minutes of going to a quarter turns. That's where condition, I always tell kids, practice your posing, guys. Because, you know, you see some guys that look good and they get on stage after five minutes of posing, they start fading because they haven't practiced their posing. And when you go past five minutes in posing, you don't have any muscle conditioning, you're going to fade. Now you can't hold yourself up. You're breathing very high. You're sweating profusely. Now you're out of the competition. We were up there for over, almost 20 minutes. For bodybuilding posing, that is more than a week of posing. So they kept, they just kept, because it was that close that year. So when they gave it to him, I gave him a giant hug. I'm like, man, it was a battle. Thanks for the battle. I'll see you next time. <laughs> yeah, so we, we actually became friends. We became friends. We did a guest posing together on the show one time. So I would say Cleveland was, was my guy that time. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's and and for those uh, who might not know, we're listening. uh, Cleveland Thomas is now, I believe, an IFBB classic physique pro. So, you know, he went from competing in, you know, the the Natty Leagues. We're talking 
the OCB Yorton Cup. Uh, what were I, you know? I, you know, I was trying to get him on for an interview. WNBF. Uh, he did WNBF. He did. He did a lot of the organization. He did it. Yeah. He did all of them. Yeah, he did. Yep. Yeah, one, definitely one of the greats. And um, so yeah, for those listening, that's that's who that's who Moji's talking about here. That is that's a lot of fun. Moji, tell us. Is there anything in terms of contests that you're looking like, man, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. <laughs> Give us something, man. What's what's on the what's on the menu for the next little well, while? I like, never go ahead, go ahead, finish. No, that that was it. I'm 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 waiting for you to tell us because that you know I've I'm I'm actually curious. I never left. It was a pandemic that shut things. I never left. You know, this I is not it. a comeback for me. You know, it's not it. a comeback. I never left. I've always been here. I'm not, I, I just didn't, I haven't showed up in a the theater yet. You know, ah. I'm, always, I'm, in the, I'm, in, I'm in the background, making my music, you know, working on my craft. I'm still here, you know, because the pandemic shut everything down and slowly things are coming back fully now. So we, my wife and I, we just looked at a show right before I came on. She was okay. looking at me like, okay, you know, we're looking at a show. Um, I think he's in August. I don't know. I think the show is in Canada. I think. Oh. Oh no! I can't. Not Canada. The show is in. Um, is it Chicago? Chicago. It's in Chicago. Okay. So I think it's the IFPA Pro Show in Chicago. So in August. That's that's um, that's my first step to not coming back, but to showing up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I love it. I love it. So who knows? Maybe maybe a Yorton Cup coming up soon, huh? Maybe. You never know. You never know. He's gonna surprise coming out of the shadow. You know, he's never left actually. So what am I saying? He's been there. He's been there. I know I love it, man, because you know, I think well, like I had mentioned, where it's always fun to see when guys like yourself are still doing this after so many years. It's so it's so inspiring, man. It really is. It's incredible. It's incredible. So, you know, it'll be it will be fun to see uh you come back to the stage. After yeah, maybe a little bit of a you know with the pandemic and everything. Pandemic, yeah, yeah. yeah but 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 from from the know, looks of it, yeah. Go ahead. You know, it's interesting. Like I said, you know, I'm I'm still posing every day, and also because I do guest posing routine all over the country. I and mean, in fact, in fact, I'm going to a guest posing routine. Let me see, March, April, May. Two guest posing routines. I have one in Vegas, and then I have one here in um, in LA. So for me, when it comes to guest posing, like I said, when I used to compete when I was much younger, and guest poses would show up out of shape. They would literally show up, ballooned up. And I'm and I'm backstage looking watching them like, this is the guy who's supposed to be inspiring to one day look like this guy. I said, this is for me personally, I'm like, if I get to a point when I get invited to to be a guest poser. I will show up like I always show up when I'm getting ready for an actual show. And I think when I did a guest posing at a show one time and then the promoter asked me, hey, man, are you getting ready? He saw me. He goes, are you getting ready for a show? I said, no, I'm getting ready for this show. He goes, but you guess what? I'm like, that's exactly what I felt. I'm guest posing. It's a show. All the young ones are watching. They're watching me. They're, they're watching you. They're looking at you. Why will you show up? Off. I mean, to show them this is what you got. I mean, what is the legacy? What is the, What are the, the examples you're showing them? So I think this is the reason why most promoters invite me to come guest host because they know I'm never going to show up disappointing them to look a certain way. And so because I always get 
guests posing all around the country about from staying in shape. I'm always posing. Always, always feel like I'm, I'll train every single week like I'm getting ready for a show in two weeks. That's just my mentality. I always say it's not for everyone. You know, not everybody can do it this way. But for me, it is not hard, but it's just a lifestyle. That's world class right there. You know, and oh, 100%. Because like you'd mentioned, that's it's not something you see regularly. Like a lot of guest posers, people are coming in with, He's really, you know, uh, it's an off-season look, if you want, you know, and off-season, not the off-season you're talking about, but the off-season, you know, <laughs> the bulk, right? They're coming in yes. with the bulk. So um, yeah. maybe we could save this for another round in the in the near future because, holy smokes, okay. I'm not even kidding you. I wanted to talk about, you were talking about your injuries, how you work, yeah. oh, man. you know, yeah, like, you know, oh, we could have got into that and even dive into Ooh. some more nutrition as well yes. because you were talking about how you don't count, ca- like, count calories and i want to know because this is of course this is very unique you know because yes. it's not the norm and um and like you had mentioned you know maybe that's not how everybody's approaching it clearly because there's a lot of people who track macros and track calories and then you have yourself where you're not doing that so i would love to dive in on on your kind of methods um for how you you know build muscle and how that changes for when you're really dialing it in just before you're maybe getting on stage because I think that's really cool. It's unique and maybe we could save that for a part two in sure. the near future. What what do you think? Sure. What, do you, what do you think about that? I would I think love the to come back. I would love to come back and do that because the number one question I get on the street, you know, when I go out and people kind of look at me and say, "Ah, oh, kind of look like, you know, he has muscles on him. He 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 must eat very healthy." The number one question I get is, what do you eat? What do you eat? That's the number one question. And it's funny. When I tell them, they look at me like, come on, you're keeping secret from us, huh? I'm like, no, my food is not engineered by NASA. You know? <laughs> I'm seriously Because they think I have this special thing that I do that make me look this way every year, every, every, um, all year round. I'm like, no. This is it. And they're like, it can be that simple. I'm like, it is. Because when you make things, like I said earlier, when you make things too complicated, you are gonna, it's going to be hard, very hard for you to execute it. So I decided to, I keep my food so, so simple. When we talk about nutrition, you are not going to believe it. You're not going to believe how simple I eat. So I would love to come back, you know, and, and talk about this. You know, it's, it's interesting you were asking me about this food thing. You know, I do you because I'm a hard gainer. And yeah, I can eat whatever to gain fat, but I don't want to do that. I want to eat food that's going to help me keep my body fat where I want it to be and also be able to maintain or increase muscle mass. I always say experiment. Use your body as a lab rat. Be the lab rat. Don't go by what you read. You can read it, but don't don't go by that. Experiment. I always say, you know, hold on to what's useful and throw away that what's useless because it's going to be a lot of useless information out there. Even though it's just because it's on the internet doesn't mean it's right. You know, someone put it there, you know, I mean, do you trust this person? Do you know this person? No, but just experiment, you know, do what you feel, try this. I always say do a mock, like a mock, you know, prep, like pretend I see you prepping for a show. You decide, okay, this time I want to use, Whatever kind of carbs, I want to use whatever kind of protein. Experiment on it. Stay on that food for about six, seven, eight weeks and see how your body responds. If it doesn't respond the way you want, try something else. 
because it's through trials and error that you're going to find what works. You know, we can all get to the same destination, but we can use different routes. You know, I think bodybuilding is one of those sports where if you're doing something different, you know, they're like, oh, you're not supposed to eat fruits when I get ready for a show. This guy eats fruits. I eat fruits. I eat bananas. I eat dates. I eat apple. So I'll love to come back and talk about all these little tricks here and there because it is that simple. But most people are making it so hard for themselves to get to that that body when it's going to come to contest prep body. They're looking for, like you said, counting macros, cutting this and cutting that. I mean, just experiment. Just try it. If it works for you, great. If it doesn't, just just find something else. No, that's that's huge because you know that that is the biggest thing. What you had mentioned, where everybody is going to respond differently to different styles, different methods, psychologically too, huh? Because some people yeah. they do they do do well, like with tracking macros and whatnot. And then there's some people who hate that they can't do it. It just destroys their whole like reality, right? Like I know people, I I, I do know people that it, they just can't do it. So. It's like, well, and then you have people saying, no, tracking macros is the only way. It's the best. It's the only way to get shredded. And then you have other people that say, no, it's only about a meal. And it's like, well, hold on here, right? What are we talking about? Everybody's so mm-hmm. different with how they respond mm-hmm. to different things. I'm piggyback riding mm-hmm. off of what you're saying, though. I'm definitely going to bring you on for a okay. part two where we're going to dive into all that good stuff, nutrition and the injury stuff around you know, you were talking a bunch of stuff about your elbow, your knees, and how you adjust training for those little things that, you know, or big things, you know, in terms of how severe it is or how minor it is, um, and how important that is for longevity as well. So, I mean, I would love, I would love to come back, man. I mean, I mean, like I said, one thing about me is I'm, I'm a teacher and I'm also a student, you know, and if I can leave something behind for someone or two, and if they can grab one or two things out of everything that I've said, and if it's going to help them better themselves, why not? You know, I, I would love to come back and do this again. Whatever topic you want to dive in, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. And also, I want to say, you know, th- what you're doing is great. I mean, I, I wish a lot of people have the platform that you have to really kind of like go deep into what longevity is all about when it comes to muscle. It's interesting. When I tell people how old I am, they're like, nah. And that is interesting. I'm like, no, this can happen. It can, it can happen for you. They, because they see me as they think I'm living very special. I'm like, I am not special. It, this is not a special, you know, genetic or a special person. I said, I just wanted it more. And if you wanted more, you're going to get it. I said, don't be me. Be better than me. You know what I'm saying? People say, well, I want to be like you. No, no, no. Don't be like me. I'm like me because where I'm at, because I work hard to be, be better. Because what you're doing is giving people a lot of information from the real people back to the people. So that that way, like, wow, this guy's been doing it for this long and he still looks like this. Because sometimes, you know, you hear all these things out there, you know, when you're a certain age, you can't do this anymore or you're going to get hurt, you know, when you, but if you hear it for people that have been doing it this long and they're telling you, this is what we did. This is what we're still doing. They're like, okay, we have hope. You know what I'm saying? So you're giving people hope that, you know, the way they used to do it, the way you do it now, there's nothing wrong with it, but just be smart about it. You know, stick with the plan. If you have a blueprint, 
stick with the blueprint and you're going to see how far it's going to take you. My One of my favorite quotes, you know, I love this quote because when I decided to come to the States, you know, it was, it was hard. It was very, at 23, I was, I was, I was petrified because I've never lived ever anywhere else but my country. And I saw that quote, it says, those who take the chance of going too far will find out how far they can go. So if you don't take that chance, you will never know. And then you're going to look back 40, 50 years later and say, I had a chance, but I was so scared because I didn't want to fail or I didn't want to be uncomfortable. You know, when I came to the States, I was two, uh, two and a half years, I was homeless. Most of wow. people know that about me. Yeah. Wow. I was homeless for two and a half years. And, and that's the risk I was talking about. And I, you know what? I'll do it all over again. Because where bodybuilding has taken me, where weightlifting has taken me, I don't, if I hadn't taken those chances, I don't think I would have gone to those places. The opportunities that I've gotten, the people that I've met along the way, I don't think that would ever happen. So, when you have a chance, it might seem very scary. It might seem like, you know, it's going to drive you crazy. Take the chance. Because you never know. Because you don't take that chance, you, you, you don't want to try because you allow fear to hold you back. And I think what you're doing, you're giving, even though it's in the platform of all these podcasts, you're bringing all this people, that's what you're doing to these people. You know, because if they hear my story, they hear other people's story, maybe they're going through some stuff right now that they didn't know that they're going to be able to overcome those things. But when they hear these people's stories, the real people, they're like, wow, I see myself a little bit in that guy. Oh, I had something similar happen to me. Okay. Like I had a client that just um, went through um, ACL injury. She's a soccer player. She played soccer in high school. She got a full scholarship. Right before the scouts would show up, she tore ACL. And she was devastated. She, I think she was 16 at that time. She was just, she looked at me. I can see, I know that look because I went through that look when I had my elbow and my hip. I looked at her and said, this is not a stop. This is a bump. He goes, what do you mean? I tore my ACL. I'm a soccer player. I'm going to have to have surgery. I'm like, you're going to be okay. So I gave her my experience and I told her my story. I gave her my blueprint because sometimes, you know, our story today and what we're going through today is going to be a blueprint for someone else in the future. But if you don't take that step and do it, that blueprint for that person might never be available because there's a reason why you're going through what you're going through. And I just talked to her. She had the surgery, went through physical therapy. The emotional side of healing is so difficult. The physical side of healing is like that, but the emotional side, the mind will mess with you. You want to make that cut again? You want to make that turn again? You're going to blow it out again? So I told her, I started giving her some of the technique that I used when I was healing from my injury. She's back at school. She, she texted me a few weeks ago. She played a first contact soccer game. And they won, I think wow. it was 4-0 they won. She was so happy because when that injury happened, she thought everything was over. She said she was done. I said, no, it's just a bump. What happens when you when your car goes through a bump, bumps through it, keep going. And I think, you know, adversities are huge. They're necessary. Because now that she's gone through it, she's learned so much about proper form, proper technique, when you're running, how to cut, when you change. Because when she went to physical therapy, it was teaching her all of this. And I told her, I said, you wouldn't have learned this if you haven't had the injury. 
See, now you're going to be a much more better athlete before the injury. And that's what happened to me. I was way better after my injuries before my injury. So what you're doing, you're really helping people, you know, giving them hope. Maybe you're just doing it because you love it, but at the same time, you know, the magnitude of what you're doing is bigger than what you think it is. You really like that little boy, just like me, that little boy that watched Pumping Iron for the first time. You know, the guy that was putting Pumping Iron out didn't think about me. He didn't say that it's a little boy in Nigeria somewhere in West Africa. He's going to see Pumping Iron. He's going to just jump it. He didn't know that. He was putting it out because it was a platform to introduce bodybuilding to the world. So what you're doing is a huge platform, you know? And, and I think people are going to, some people are going to watch an episode of one person or the other, and they're going to take something from that. So just keep doing it, man. I really commend you for that. Man, yeah. thank you so, so much. That means okay. like the world to me right now, you know, because it's still relatively new, you know, we're 27, 28 episodes in. Sure. You know what I mean? And to be honest, yeah. it's like you, you said, you know, you, you know, you're doing it maybe because you love it. Uh, 100%. Absolutely. I have, yeah. a, I have a passion for it. But the biggest thing is it gives me hope, you know, because I, I look to you guys for, you know, you guys are, like I said, you paved the way, man. Like this is inspiring. This gives me hope to, you know, when I'm 40, 50, 60, I can keep doing it regardless of the adversities and the obstacles that come my way. Because I know what it's like to have an injury or you know something's bothering me and you you feel like mm -hmm. oh maybe i'm not cut out for this but you know <laughs> and then you hear then you hear like yourself or you know you hear like you know philip or you know whoever i'm interviewing and it's like who's you know you know legendary status in the natural bodybuilding world and if you're talking about a just a general fitness enthusiast man how much benefit can they even take from that because this is about health this is about longevity this is about doing this for years and years to last not just hey just for a bodybuilding trophy but just for or just to look good on stage mm. one day that's not like you mm. said it's a lifestyle right so whatever topic you want to dive in with me in the future just hit me up man i'm, I'm ready awesome moji thank you so so much again it was such cool. a pleasure such an honor um i'm sure the listeners truly enjoy it and or enjoyed it i should say and um if they want to learn from you or I, you know, maybe get in touch with you. They have a question. Where's the best place they can reach you? Instagram is the best place because I, um, I don't use any other form of social media, but Instagram, my Instagram is big man, Bosa. It's big man, Bosa. And, um, you can shoot me any question anytime. If I didn't, if I don't answer you right away, I might just, maybe I just kind of look through it. Maybe later on, I'll just come back. Just, you know, but glad to answer any, any question whatsoever. So, Get with me on Instagram. I'm, I'm right there. Perfect. I'm going to link that in the description below. Okay. Folks, thank you for tuning in. Be sure to share this episode if you enjoyed it. Make sure to check out Moji on Instagram. Check out Longevity Muscle on Instagram if you haven't already. And we'll catch you in another one. Mm -hmm.